You are listening to Tales from the Trenches by Nicola Graham, a podcast focusing on all things business change related. Time to hand over to you, Nick. So, hello listeners and welcome to Tales of the Trenches of Change Management, where I am joined with the lovely Cathy Wellens, who is an intercultural trainer and coach. So firstly, welcome Cathy and thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Nick. Thanks for inviting me. It's always lovely to chat. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And actually, we've known each other for, for well, over a year now, actually, Cathy, haven't we? Yes, it was about a year ago we met. You're right. <laughs> Listeners, um, how did I meet Cathy? Well, we actually met on a communication course. Um, Cathy was the trainer there. And if I'm honest, we, we really hit it off straight away. Um, the main reason, well, except for the fact that obviously you're absolutely lovely, Cathy, but one of the main reasons that we immediately connected was we both have quite quite the passion for cultures and and what and how cultures how cultures cultures if I could say that today affect organizations um, in that way um, and I think it's fair to say that we we didn't stop we didn't stop guessing all the way through the training session <laughs> if you don't mind me saying we both um, probably came across as communication geeks um, <laughs> I had to remember to involve the other participants from time to time. <laughs> I must admit, yeah, I, I don't, I don't fess that up too much because I'm really, I'm, you know, I'm, I, I'm really into into grammar corrections and all sorts. Exactly. We were, we were, yeah, we were, we were both passionate about communication <laughs> rather than geeks. But, um, yeah. Yeah, so, um, I'm, yeah I'm, I'm happy to be a geek. <laughs> I think it's the, it's the new cool. Exactly. Um, yeah, and, and obviously we've, we've been catching up through lockdown. Um, uh, obviously it's been fantastic to speak to you. Um, I know from my, from, from my end, being stuck in the house has been challenging at times. Um, how have you found uh, lockdown for you, Cathy? Yeah, challenging. I guess we've all had different challenges haven't we and mine was quite quiet I guess I went freelance I set up a self-employed at the beginning of the year and I suddenly started seeing as lockdown hit in all my bookings disappear um, so I kind of embraced the non-work side of lockdown for a while and did all the you know the cliches the cooking the gardening and so on but I kept connecting and I think you know a lot of my clients were just a little bit unsure but I found suddenly the bookings started to come back as online bookings. Not like it was before, but um, yeah, it's been interesting, hasn't it? I think it's been a, a bit of a process for all of us. Absolutely. And, and obviously in the, in the world of change, I now use it as a really good example of, of the fear curves and we've yes. all gone through that. And then when you start to accept things, you exactly. can actually evolve into a new way of working. Um, I mean, I, I've, I've had... Or I've discovered lots of communities during lockdown, and that's been through conversations with people like yourself and just keeping those connections yeah, going. Absolutely. What, yeah. what kind of communities have you have you discovered? Well, I think as a as a freelancer, as a trainer, I've really relied on people like me. So you know, whether it's connecting on LinkedIn, but making sure to have regular catch ups, and just remembering that we're not in competition with each other, but we can actually share and support each other and kind of help each other yeah. and that sense of community for me working in effect on my own has been super important so no absolutely I agree yeah no that's uh well that 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 and that and YouTube well there is that <laughs> if in doubt have a have a giggle yeah. over a YouTube video <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> 
Oh, well, it's, it, it does make a massive difference. And, and to be fair, with, with communities like the, the, the LinkedIn's of the world and, um, and and even actually the tools we're using, obviously you and I have been able to have face-to-face -face cup of coffees together, haven't yeah. we? But over a screen. Exactly. Um, and and I, I, I've spoken a few times about this, but I would I would have dread to, to have been in this situation maybe four years ago when the technology wasn't there for us yeah. to be able to do this as well. Yeah. Can you imagine? And I think, you know, for us, it's maybe been a learning curve, that, but there are people where it's really, really been a learning curve. You know, I've been showing people how to use Zoom for the first time and getting, you know, parents onto FaceTime and all that kind of thing. So learning curves are varying in sizes, aren't they? I'm giggling as soon as you said that, actually, because I must admit, with the first time I got on a call with my dad, I'm kind of like, no, 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 the mute button. Stop. Press the mute button. And every yeah. time he comes on and he still forgets <laughs> to unmute himself and he's chatting away and you're like, the mute button. Or I just see the forehead in the camera and nothing else. <laughs> but, but anyway. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, you know what? It's a lesson for us all, isn't it? Exactly. <laughs> so intercultural training. Um, tell us more about what you do, if you don't mind. Give us give our listeners a, a real in-depth understanding of what that means. Sure. And I think often when people ask me what I do, I say, and then there's, oh, what's that exactly? So um, it's an important question. So I guess in a nutshell, it's really helping people who are working internationally to get better outcomes. So whether that's from the relationships, from the way they communicate, um, but what we do is we help people, I guess, first of all, to understand themselves, because we have a tendency to think that our way, our normal, if you like, is a universal normal. And when you start working with people from other backgrounds, from other cultures, you start to realise that actually my normal isn't necessarily your normal. And that's where sometimes frustrations can come from. So kind of once you understand yourself, then you can move on to understand, you know, if you're working with a specific culture, kind of historically, I've done a lot of work with people working with India, for example. So understanding where the differences lie between the two cultures and then how can you fill those gaps? But I think also importantly is developing your own skill set. So it's not just I need to learn about them and why they're different and why is it that they give me frustration. Um, I think that's quite a how can I put it? It's a negative spin, but it is the reality that we do often get frustrated. So there's also the positive aspect of the skill set I need to develop. So can I be more adaptable? Am I resilient enough to work overseas? Am I a good listener? You know, do I observe body language and interpret that correctly? A whole raft of skills, which quite honestly, I think help us in our in our everyday daily life. But yeah, I always say when you put culture in the mix, it magnifies some of those those differences that we experience just as human beings. Um, and I think the other thing perhaps just to add is that kind of in our world, in our field, we're really starting now to kind of focus on the positives of working across cultures as well, rather than thinking, oh, there's differences and it's difficult. Actually, it can be fantastic if you work in a diverse team because you've got those differences in thinking styles, different approaches, different ways of making decisions, problem solving. But then you really need that skill set to be able to harness those differences. Does that make sense? No, no, yeah. completely, completely. And, and actually, a question that, that pops up that I'm genuinely interested mm. to see what your experiences are. Do you find that, and maybe this is a... Um, 
a, a two-ended two question here. Mm. Do you find that you either have a specific culture that struggle with different cultures? So I'm just going to name drop there. Um, say, do, do you find British people find it very hard to adjust to different cultures more than other cultures do to different cultures? And or do you find that two cultures tend to be quite abrasive more than others? Like, you know, like kind of is this is, is this a place where a specific culture gets on or, or, or responds better to other cultures? And the, and the reason for that question is, and I'm also going back to our, our communication training together, where we were discussing um, communication approaches. Mm -hmm. And I'm very direct as a British yes, person, which yes. is quite unusual. <laughs> but I, I immediately, as a person, both personally and work-wise, I naturally... Um, gravitate towards other direct cultures so for example i tend to get on very well with german people mm -hmm. or south african people as you know examples and i'm curious to, i'm curious to get your your views on that yeah no i'm remembering our conversations now <laughs> um so it's complicated of course um i think firstly it would be a little bit dangerous to say that these two sets of cultures typically don't get on. I think on a personal level, yes, like your example. Mm -hmm. But I think one of the, the dangers we always come up against in our training is that idea of stereotyping. So if I was to say, you know, the Brits never get on with the Indians or the Spanish don't like the French, you know, that feels quite risky to me. Um, that said, a couple of things, I guess. There is, um, there's lots of theories and models, which I won't kind of bore you with on this call, but there is a very simplified model that just says there's a real difference between hot and cold countries. Hot uh, and yeah, oh. and it, it's not actually something I used in my training because it feels too simple. But actually, if you think about it, the, the hotter parts of the world tends to be very relationship bound. They tend to be more indirect, um, kind of perhaps more love of life, et cetera. Whereas in our part of the world, we're much more on the task. Um, you know, getting down to business. So I think, How interesting. but, you know, that said, I think, you know, when I was working in the early days, we'd find people would say, well, we're working with France. They're only across the water. Where's the difficult, difficulty going to be? And actually there can be real challenges between countries that are quite close. Yes, um, yeah. They used to say, I used to do a lot more work in the relocation business, which for obvious reasons isn't um, that viable at the moment but the the most challenging move um, so they say is moving from the states to the UK that's where expats tend to find it the most difficult and I think one of several reasons there might be that actually we think it's going to be the same mm. and when we come across those nuanced differences they kind of take us a bit more by surprise because our assumption had been oh well it will be just like home and it's not just because yeah. we speak the same language. Whereas if you're heading out to, I don't know, China or Japan, you're ready for those differences and you're perhaps better prepared. It's expectations um, really managing those. A lot of it is about that. So that's quite a convoluted answer to your question. But. No, no, but it, again, you, well, you know what we're like. We can just chat, chat for ages about all of this. And, and immediately I'm also kind of in my head remembering the melting pot. Yes. The, the melting pot kind of example that you yes. used um, yes. previously. And that would play a, a big, uh, you know, a big, big change. And for those listeners who may not understand what we're talking about right now, the melting pot is essentially countries where um, 
they have lots of different cultures all in one area. So London, for example, is a yeah. good example of that, where you're more you're more understanding of different cultures because you're surrounded by them. But equally, we need, so if you take the States as an example, which came from a real melting pot of different cultures, super direct um, in terms of communication, because there isn't, or there wasn't, that shared understanding. So there's, in communication, there's a greater need for transparency. Whereas if you look at somewhere like Japan, it's a lot more homogenous. You know, people mostly share that same background. So they can be a lot less direct a lot yeah. more implicit because, you know, we all kind of think in the same way. We all get it. I can, you know, see a look in your eye and know exactly what you're thinking. Whereas if you are in one of those melting pot kind of places, I can't kind of see your face and think I know exactly what she's thinking because yeah. we don't necessarily share that background. Absolutely. And I, that comes on to my very next point around the online world. So obviously you've mentioned that, you know, obviously eye contact, body language and things like that play a crucial part to mm-hmm. cultural requirements from, from companies. But hey, we're online at the moment. How, yeah. how how's, how's that having an impact on things? So I guess in terms of my work, all the training now is is online. It's all through, through the lens of a camera or on a screen. Um, and I think a lot of companies have certainly in the beginning of lockdown, put everything on hold. Obviously, there's budgetary issues and so on. But then when I have run programmes and the theme, I do run a lot of courses on virtual communication. But even if the theme wasn't that, I think people have appreciated developing the online skills and talking about, you know, things like body language, you know, should you use the camera? Shouldn't you? How do you create that kind of rapport when you're staring at someone down a screen. Um, so yeah, I think there is a direct parallel. And also, you know, while people aren't necessarily traveling around the world at the moment for obvious reasons, we're working in unfamiliar contexts with people that we can't see who perhaps are different. Um, mm-hmm. So the need for, you know, if you want to call it intercultural skills, but the the skills that we um, encourage people to develop, I think is just as important as ever people might not be traveling um but we're working in as I say a very unfamiliar kind of context so yeah and and equally unfamiliar but also the mindfulness of different countries going through different things at the moment. yes yes you know, um obviously if, for example in in what we're in September and I I know how how much um COVID is having a knock-on and, and an awful of impact on the South American worlds. Now, when I'm talking to my Brazilian colleagues through some of my clients, I've got to be very mindful that they're now going through a tougher time than what I am right now. Yes. It's also things like that. I heard um, a terrible example the other day. I was talking to a potential client um, and they run exchange programs for young entrepreneurs. And one of their um, host countries is Colombia. So a couple of these young entrepreneurs arrived in Colombia just before lockdown. Um, And within a couple of weeks, it was um, strict lockdown, um, only allowed out for an hour every other day. It was policed. um, And that was their exchange programme. So, yeah, it makes us realise that actually we've been pretty comfortable over here. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you were, so obviously you've you've pointed out rightly that that you that 
people that are working in organisations where they have to um, have to obviously be online with mm. colleagues from different parts mm. of the world. Mm-hmm. If you could give us a few tips or um, uh, examples of what we should look for uh, when we, you know, or be mind, mindfulness maybe around what we should be looking for um, when I'm online to a, to um, a different culture, would you be able to give us some quick quick nuggets there? Sure, in terms of our own behaviours and kind yeah, of... Yeah, absolutely. What, sh- what should we be looking for that we previously may, may have looked for um, in face-to-face? Yeah. How, can we, how can we translate that on an online conversation now? I think this, one thing I'm really interested about, and I think we touched on it in one of our previous chats, was around whether to use the camera or not. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think it's really easy to say cameras must be on all the time. But actually, I think for some personality types, but also some cultures, it's quite hard to maintain that. So I think we can encourage and we can invite, but perhaps we shouldn't insist. Um, I think there's some issues around privacy, um, but also around that kind of being on and having the, the strong eye contact, which certainly for some parts of the world, strong eye contact is almost considered quite confrontational, disrespectful, particularly across hierarchies. So, so that's one thing. Um, And I guess if you are thinking about um, perhaps Asian cultures in particular, there's, um, I imagine your listeners will be familiar with that concept of face and face saving, but kind of calling out people in meetings, that kind of thing can be quite, quite challenging, I think, in a culture where you're um, concerned with face and harmony. Um, But I think... I don't know if it's a cross-cultural thing or just a universal thing, quite honestly, but just trying to c- continue to build that sense of community. Um, so not necessarily always getting straight down to business, but having the chance to um, have some small talk, share something personal at the beginning of a meeting. Um, you know, I said at the beginning about the hot cold thing and the hot cultures being a lot more relationship focused. So I think, yeah, like we would do just with anyone, trying to connect on a personal level is is really important, particularly at the moment. Yeah. Does that kind of make sense? That was a bit. Yeah, wonky. no, absolutely. And I'm just laughing actually because um, we we don't we don't have uh, Miss Marbs present here at the moment, but my cat usually helps because the amount of times it's like she knows and she'll jump in front of the screen, so immediately you start talking about yeah. animals, you know, Pets, that's that children, of children or the weather. Gosh, I'm so British. The weather. Absolutely. <laughs> So, yeah, but you're you're absolutely right. Just connected on that personal level. And funny enough, I had a um a, a call earlier. You mentioned this, the, mm. the the uh, the video, and you know that I'm one for video. Mm. Uh, but equally, I've never pressed my staff, for example, my okay. team, um to put their cameras on because again, you're 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 essentially diving into somebody's. I mean, you're currently looking at my lounge, my very very messy lounge. But you know, you're currently diving into somebody's personal life, so you can't yeah. you can't enforce it. But it makes a huge difference you know I, I can see your smile and I can see yeah, you nodding yeah. you know and all these lovely things that you just lightens up the call I mean when I'm um, when I'm training I'll always kind of say I'd love to see your smiling faces or just kind of encourage yeah. and I think the other thing is um, maybe just at the beginning and the end um, you know I join a lot of webinars and I really like it when at the end they just say look everyone turn their camera on and just give a wave and a hi and you know so at least we have that element of human interaction at the end it's I think it's important. 
it, it's such a fine balance because mm. you know immediately I whenever I'm on a call and just just today I was on a call with about 10 people and maybe six of them which is a really good really good ratio actually had their cameras on and I found myself talking to them because I could see for example one of them I could see where they were and I've commented on the, the weather outside and you know and things like that so all of a sudden it's really hard not to uh, exclude those without yeah. the camera on. it's yeah. really really difficult and as a change manager I should be better than most and I find that really challenging but you naturally gravitate towards oh look I can see that person's face I'm going to talk to them well, look, there's a key element of um, intercultural competence is not making judgments and assumptions. But yeah. I think we often assume, oh, he's turned his camera off. It's because he's writing his emails. He's on mute because he's not really with me. Um, yeah. But actually, it might it might be that, but it might not be. Um, yes. I think we very quickly jump to these kind of negative assumptions about people's motivations yeah absolutely it is it's a hard one but i think you know as we continue this world of, of mm. online refine that we'll all we're all naturally transitioning into into that and maybe this will help with um with intercultural intercultural differences you know because everybody eventually gets to the point where they really would like to see another human being especially if they're quite isolated so this might this might change what we know to be the norm today um be interesting yeah. What happens yeah it will be interesting Absolutely. So, how? Um, obviously, you mentioned at the start that you just branched out by, you know, into into your own company. So, congratulations for that, by the way. Thank you. Um, how how has this new world um, changed the life for you? And and I'm actually quite quite keen to understand how that's had an impact on your clients as well. So, I guess for me, a couple of probably obvious things. There has been less work inevitably. Um, and the second thing, inevitably, everything is online. Um, so I am missing, well, this is great. I, I really miss the the face-to-face -face thing of being in a room with a group of people. I, I can't lie about that. Um, I think so. So there's two types of clients, I guess. There were the ones that had things booked in, um, cancelled, then kind of thought about it. Thought, oh, actually, do you know what? We can do this online. Mm -hmm. um, and the feedback on those was really quite positive because I think I said before, but they were um, able to engage with each other, but also kind of see how I use the online tools and think, well, I can take that away and use it in my meetings and in my um, my own work. Yeah. I think as well, people need support. So um, I know you mentioned I'm a coach as well as a trainer, and I think these have been really tough times and for people working in you know busy organizations but as most most are it's been really tough and I hear from quite a lot of clients this idea of because you're working from home you're always on um, and those kind of boundaries between you know I think we all kind of know this but the kind of work-life balance the home and the the work become very blurred and I I was working with um, an Italian company over the summer and they were working absolutely crazy hours. And they just, and I think there is a, a culture in some of the Mediterranean cultures around um, kind of you keep working and you don't push back. It's perhaps more hierarchical than we are. So when their boss was saying, well, I don't understand why you're not online at eight o'clock in the evening, they, they'd go online. Um, 
so that I think has been quite challenging for some of the clients I've worked with more on an individual level. Um, I'm just thinking I, I worked with another client one to one and he had never really worked online before and just yeah. some of the basics around using the tools and work, working through his resistance as well that he just he felt it wasn't a good alternative so that was, was looking at normality returning then yeah absolutely and kind of putting things off and waiting for when normal comes back and you know I was trying to work through with him the fact that it might not for a long time and you know what could he do so that that kind of resistance piece was quite interesting to work through with someone as well especially when sometimes maybe some of the resistance in your client maybe you do feel it a bit yourself but you still kind of need to help them work through it if, if that makes sense yeah it's, it's not showing the fears that you have yourself isn't exactly. it <laughs> exactly <laughs> it's, it's definitely an interesting place for that do you think, um, what's your thoughts on uh, you know, people going back to offices and, you know, you know you're, you're obviously in this world of online training now. Do you think that's going to be the norm now or do you reckon you're going to get back to a classroom situation? Um, I kind of hope so, but obviously I'm not sure how I would feel if someone asked me to go into a, a classroom tomorrow, quite honestly. Um, and I think, you know, we have to bear in mind there are some organisations that have been working like this for a long time. I have worked with a client over the last few years and all their training was done via virtual classroom. Um, so for them, at that level at least, there hasn't been that much change, you know. So I, I guess I would like to see more of a hybrid approach. Um, it's interesting, actually, as a side project, I'm doing some work with them. Um, an ed tech company and they're working in partnership with some of the UK universities getting all their courses online so we're trying to kind of they've developed this really cool platform where um, you know they encourage learning still to be really active really social but it's all within a within a platform yes. um, and that is the challenge you're faced with is keeping it interactive even yeah. even in meetings or I'm, I'm doing lots of presentations at the moment and I can almost see people you know kind of shutting off and yeah. you know and getting into the habit of texting while that while they're online or something like that and you kind of you'd never do that you'd never behave that way in real life and it's it, it comes with additional challenges yeah um but I think there we sometimes almost need to show our vulnerability um and kind of you know as we're beginning our presentation and we say look please stay with me. Um, this does feel weird. And I'd, I'd love to see your reactions, jump in, interrupt me, because it's tough, isn't it? Just speaking down a screen. So yeah, that's actually really, you know what, that's a really valid point. And I've not thought about that before. Mm -hmm. I, might, I might try and encourage that mm -hmm. presentation to kind of go that I've, I'm talking at screens right now. I'm talking to screens. I can't see your reactions. I can't see what you're doing. You know, this is, this is challenging for me. To, to, to present this way you know please do do speak up please raise your hand whatever it might be let me see yeah. that's, I've never thought about that so I'm, I'm gonna that's the takeaway from this for me it's an example I've used, an example I've used countless times but I used to host a lot of webinars and I had a presenter um, and we would be on camera but none of the audience would be obviously and she just suddenly stopped in the middle of this webinar and said is everyone still listening? Are you still there? 
at first I kind of thought, what are you doing? What are you saying? But actually it was really lovely because she just showed her human side um, and everyone obviously wrote really nice things. Yeah, it's really, you know, and it, it was just a really nice moment, but she had to kind of, like I say, show her vulnerable side. But yeah. Um, yeah. And that's the thing, I know when I when I present in real life, I'm always looking, and, and you'll know this very much as a trainer, you're looking for people's reactions to things. And I'm and I'm quite I'm I'm always the joker. You know, when I present, I'm I'm happy to I'm happy to mess up, I'm happy to joke. I often get people kind of I look for look for eyes or giggles in the audience and point them out and go, yeah, oh, okay. hey, come on, you know. I mean one of my go-to is the technology isn't working and yes. Anyone know anyone from IT? Oh, wait, that'd be me. You know, so I make all these jokes, but <laughs> I when I do them online, you don't see anybody's reaction or hear anybody giggle and you're like, oh, tumbleweed. <laughs> I, think that, I think that might have been funny. I'm not sure. So it's really hard if you've got one of those characteristics that, you know, that yeah. talks to people that way. And I've actually got to assume they're all laughing in their living rooms. <laughs> yeah. But it, but it does. It makes you feel really like exposed. Yes. So, yeah, more yeah. so than when you are actually physically there. And I think um, I've got a, um, a a doctor friend who um, I've actually been in the same room listening to some of the webinars that he attends, and these are very academic. So it is somebody talking in quite a monotone way um, and very factual about the information, and that really works. And you just yeah. know that that person is fine online as they are in person yeah. because that, that that their approach to present presenting and things like that is just the same and they don't need reaction because actually they're giving you very fact very matter of fact but a lot of what we do yeah. is based on learning and understanding and and familiarities and so you do need that you know I, I can practice. see you nodding now I know that you're agreeing with me but if you weren't there I'd just be like do you agree I'm not sure <laughs> it's really hard challenging um, yeah no absolutely yeah and I think one of the challenges for training online is the the practice element you know we try and develop skills and behaviors so giving people the opportunity and I think when I was first um, running pro longer programs online it was really tempting to skip some of the practice activities but you know you can get people in groups and and I realized that that was really what people wanted to be doing. They did, you know, they wanted to listen to me, hopefully, and hear what I have to say. But the chance to actually share and try things out is still just as important in the online space. So, yeah. So when we were exactly. Yeah, no, absolutely. Oh, no, well, that's that's interesting. Interesting food for thought today. Good. Um, I um, I'm going to I'm going to close this. But before I do. Um, you, you, you may have made the mistake of telling me last time, and I am going to bring it up, uh -huh. as, as, <laughs> as uncomfortable as you may be, there, uh, there are rumours around, Cathy, that you are attending your first triathlon soon. Well, in theory, but let's see if it happens. Yeah, it's in, um, I live in Crystal Palace in South London, so it's in Crystal Palace Park, and we, it's, maybe I'm cheating because it's not um, a wild swim, it's in the, the Olympic pool that we have here. Yeah. Um, yeah, for my sins, someone managed to persuade me to sign up and um, I bought the outfit and everything and then lockdown happened. So it's been postponed once, but hopefully it will happen in, in October. So I'll, October. I'll let you know. Yeah, yeah, do. So you've, you've been training hard for that, I presume? Well, you know, do my best. Yes. Let, let's <laughs> say yes. You can always do more is the thing with training for these things, isn't it? But I found um, somewhere we've got a local wild swimming place. So I've... Um, 
braved the waters there a few times and managed to swim in the sea a few times over the summer. So yeah, I'm getting there. Good for you. That's that's uh, that's some real hardcore stuff there. I must admit. I mean, I might just go to the local pool and have a swim, but um, yeah, it's uh, well. I hope it goes really well. What's the distance? Thank you. Oh, now you're asking me. I think it's the equivalent of thirty lengths of a twenty-five meter pool. What's that? Seven hundred and fifty meters, I think. And then it's it's um, a mini one, so twenty k bike and a five k run. So I know it's achievable. Um, it's just putting it all together is the difficult bit for me. Yeah, it's just changing the changing the muscles and things exactly. like that. Exactly. Well, I, I I don't doubt knowing 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 your personality, you'll uh, you'll absolutely smash it, and I'm sure you're training very hard for it. And please do let let me know how that goes. I will, I will do. Thank I'm you. Very excited for you. Um, so on that note, thank you so much for joining us today, Kathy. It's been it's been as always really great to talk to you and informative, and and I could genuinely talk for the next three hours about culture. Well, it's been a pleasure. And and for me and listeners, if if you are interested in hearing more about intercultural training, or if you're looking for um, coaching requirements, obviously you can reach out to Kathy. Uh, she does have a website, which is www.kathywellins.co.uk, or if you pop onto LinkedIn and obviously search via uh, her name, you'll be able to contact her for more information there. Um, so on that note, I hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. Um, do keep your comments coming in as to what you want to hear next. And I look forward to speaking to you very soon. Thanks, Kathy. Bye-bye. Thank bye. Bye, everyone.